0: Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to
1: Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium,
0: Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? I'm doing okay, Eric. It's time to almost celebrate. You know why? Because we've gotten through 11 months of this wonderful 2020. So I'm already counting down to 2021. And, you know, I mean, just another indication of how unpredictable and crazy 2020 is, is. Gulfstream Park reopened and zero minutes to post time, and they're going in the gate. What the hell is going on? You stole my little line there. I should have said something. I was going to
1: say, I was going to quiz you. What's the biggest story of 2020? Now, most people would say COVID, the election maybe. You know, they have a few other things. And I was going to say, Gulfstream being on time. That's by far the biggest story of 2020. I actually I mean- bet a pick five opening day, and it started at 3 o'clock. And I get home about 3 o'clock usually from work. So I was taking my time. I'll uh, you know let the dog out. I'll get upstairs, go to the TV by like 3.10, And sure enough, the race went off. <laughs> and I missed it. And my 20-1 shot got nosed out. <laughs> Maybe better I didn't see it. I
0: mean, I mean, what, what are horse players going to bitch about on Twitter and social media if – off stream park all of a sudden is going to be going off what they'll be bitching about is being shut out that's what they'll be bitching about
1: (laughs) they'll find something everyone will find something to uh to complain about so uh everything else is good with you
0: hey you know every day that you wake up it's a good day so you know at my age you think about that kind of stuff
1: (laughs) I just hope to make it your, to your ripe old age. I'd be very happy oh, just getting yeah.
0: there.
1: Um, <laughs> anyway, so some big tracks opening up. Goldstream opened up. We got uh, Mr. Grunder back in uh, Tampa, the man who got us through the pandemic the first time. I was joking with someone on Twitter. It might be Jeremy Balin, actually, because he loves uh, Richard Grunder, the voice of Tampa. I said, Grunder got us through the epidemic at the beginning with that first wave because Tampa was one of the few tracks running and now that the second wave is back. He's back to get us through the second wave of, uh, of COVID. So uh, we got Tampa. We got Gulfstream opening up. Uh, Oaklawn's coming very soon. Uh, missing another track that I can't remember that just opened, but several uh, several different tracks. Oh, fairgrounds. I don't count them because they're 80% takeout. That's like parts to me, fairgrounds. So I don't <laughs> count that. But that is a big track for most people. So, uh, But you won't find me betting uh, fairgrounds. Anyway, so some exciting times. And New York actually has good racing still as we approach the winter, big fields and things like that. In fact, this Saturday, uh, they kind of got screwed a little bit with a mandatory payout pick six because someone hit it the other day. So I'm guessing the mandatory, uh, the carryover will be about what 30, 40,000 in that range or maybe even less. But um, we decided we would kind of cover those races and go through that sequence with you. But before we do that, we GQ and I were talking about uh, jockeys and trainers a lot over the weekend. And, we thought it would be pretty fun to just kind of run through some ideas here that we have on who we consider the top trainers and jockeys. Uh, and I think that'll stir up a lot of controversy because A, we won't agree, I'm sure. And B, I'm sure many people have their own opinions. So without further ado, you want to reveal our top 10 lists or you have something to preface this uh, section? Oh, of the show yeah, before? I,
0: I'm, I'm going to say, you know, this, where I, I, you know, we haven't shared one another's list, so we have no idea what we're coming up with, but mine is obviously going to be more subjective, and I've kind of looked at it from the point of view of me being a horse owner, which trainer would I want to train my horse or horses and certain trainers have certain specialties and that kind of stuff. So I kind of like threw all that in, in the mix. And uh, kind of the same way with, you know, jockeys. Uh, there's nationally known jockeys and then there's regionally known jockeys and there's local jockeys. So not that anybody's going to, you know, ha- you know hang on with bated breath to find out who our number one is in each category. but It's just something that uh, we're going to do in fun, you know, to to mix it up. But uh, so so Eric, I'll I'll let you go first. But um, uh, before we do, we're
1: gonna turn off our phones first. Very good. I like your sticker. I love New York. Very nice on your phone.
0: Eric's top 10 jockeys is brought, proudly brought to you by I love New York. <laughs> Here so, it is. I thought,
1: <laughs> I thought your phone was ringing, but you're playing a song for us. It's very high tech. <laughs> Great. It will be very New York centric. I'm not going to lie. All right. Now I also, I left out. It's so hard. The trainer part, I'm not so excited about the jockeys. I'm interested about to hear your thoughts and, and share mine, but The trainers, so I don't get sued, and uh, we have to end the show before we started. Uh, I'm just, I left out people who I am 90% or more certain are cheating, so I'm not going to mention names, but if there are some big name trainers that I do not mention on my list, you can bet I didn't forget them, but I suspect them, I guess, uh, or something like that, so they're not going to be there, and similar to you, I looked at-
0: so So you're saying no pharmaceutical companies will be our sponsors anytime soon?
1: Correct, not horse pharmaceuticals. (laughs) Uh, So I made my list. I'm sure people are going to laugh at my list because some of the guys on it are are people who people wouldn't want or think about. But uh, I do have one or two guys I kind of suspect on my list, but I put them on because they weren't at the 90% suspect uh, rate yet, maybe like 60% I suspect them of cheating. So I didn't get there. But anyway, without further ado, because we have a lot to do today. uh, At number 10, I'm putting the guy I'm sure you didn't put on here. Uh, And you can see my style because you hear the guys I talk about a lot. But I'm going to go to the Midwest with number 10, and I am going to put a man named Rusty Arnold as my 10th trainer on my list. I just think he's a great horseman. Uh, I think if he cheated like the way others do or if he had a little better stock, he'd be really, really well-known. He's so well-known, I, I think he's a terrific horseman. So he's number 10. you want to alternate quickly so we can be here all day otherwise? Oh, yeah,
0: sure. Sure, You're why not? 10. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with my lone west coast trainer as my number 10 I'm going to go with Simon Callahan he just seems to me as a hands-on type of guy he uh has a great in the money percentage so it kind of tells you that you know he's not the Baffert he's not a Peter Mill or John Sadler stat- status but his horses are always there and um he got a uh, firing line uh, almost to beat uh, American Farrer in the Derby. And, and that was the horse that I threw out to costing me the triple. So um, he's had his share of halfway decent horses, a couple great, great stakes winners. So if I was out on the West Coast, I would personally pick Simon Callahan as my trainer.
1: All right. Not a bad choice. He's not on my list, but. um, kind of anti-California on my list, I guess, but he would be right up there. I'm not going to give a story for each one just because we'll be here forever. So I'm going to go – I'm going to stick Midwest number – the bottom of my list here is is a lot Midwest strong. Number nine, I'm going Dallas Stewart. Especially if it's a long race, but that's another story. What about your number nine?
0: My number nine, since I'm a Maryland guy, I have a couple Marylanders on here. I'm going with the longtime Maryland successful uh, trainer, Dale Capuano. And I picked Dale because whenever I'm at Laurel, whether Dale has a horse in the race or not, he's by the paddock with a little notebook out. And he's looking at every horse going into the paddock and coming out of the paddock. So that's a trainer who has his pulse on horses. Now he's mainly a claiming trainer, but that's, that's where I'm at. He's, he's been in Maryland for decades and he's still going strong. So that's why I put Dale on the list. Cause he carries a notebook. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's a, uh, I coached
1: basketball for 20 years in high school. And there's a school by me who's traditionally very good. They've been actually pretty bad recently, but for like 20, 30 years, they were arguably the best school in the area. And their coach was there for like 30, 40 years. He retired about five years ago and he used to carry um, a little notebook in his hand on the sideline. He didn't really say much, and he was constantly be writing in his notebook. So we had no idea because the guy didn't speak much. He won like a thousand games or something, but we used to joke he's like taking his shopping list down and stuff like that. He's like, "Oh, I got to get OJ." We would. He's like, "You know what was he writing in his pad?" But um, anyway, uh, my number eight. We never
0: thought, found out what nobody. No, noticed. we never
1: found out. I wasn't really close with with the guy. I'm sure he was a nice oh. guy, but I never. Really got to know him. Uh, number eight on my list. I hope he's not a cheater. I'd be disappointed. Mike Maker, number eight. You're number
0: eight. Um, and any particular reason why?
1: Uh, Horses do really well for him. I mean, he can get horses to run long on the turf amazingly. Obviously, you mentioned certain people have specialists. Uh, but I've just seen so many horses that struggle that he's able to turn around. And I don't feel it's like a turnaround where it's like, you know, 20-point buyer improvement right away, like some trainers, which is very suspicious. I feel he does it where he stretches horses out and and gives them time. So, again, a lot of this is subjective, and I don't really know these guys. So, who knows? But, um, yeah, I would put Maker at number eight. All
0: right. My number eight is I'm going to the great state of New York, but a wild card. I'm going with Linda Rice. Linda Rice is both a claiming – trainer and a stakes trainer she's versatile and she always seems to be hands-on my my list is more at least my bottom five or more trainers that i've made note that they're hands-on they're always there so linda rice was one of my new york trainers that if i had horses in new york i'd be calling her
1: well, at least you know what field your horses are running in before everyone else. So that's a positive. Number seven, Steve Asmussen. Again, I hope he doesn't. He's like the one super trainer on here. I'm a little, a little skeptical of maybe. But um, Steve Asmussen, I put it number seven. I think he wins a lot because he has so many good horses. And running in the Midwest, it's good racing, but I don't know if it's the quality of, of the coast, in, in New York especially. So, uh, you know, I think he's able to win some races that way. But I, I still think he's a good trainer. Uh, he wins a lot of races, too. Year are also Aspieson, number seven for me.
0: So, so you're going after all the trainers that you'll never have any personal contact with. Well, you'll, I probably won't have with be any be of these people. Their, you'll be talking to their assistants forever. So, you'll, so you're, you're basically going by their reputation. Well, I'm taking
1: this a little differently.
0: I don't know if it's (laughs) necessary if I had a horse, but yeah, if I had a horse, I'm okay with that. All right. uh, Once again, you're going to mock every single person I put on my list. so I might as well just continue that trend. My number seven is a former assistant of uh, a California-based trainer, and this gentleman's name is Jack Sisterson. He used to be the assistant Mm -hmm. to uh, Doug O'Neill. He doesn't have a whole lot of horses, but again, he's the type of guy I had the pleasure of meeting him. He was uh, the the guy at uh, Pimlico for both I'll Have Another and um, I've already forgot who Nyquist. And uh, pays attention to the detail and it shows and he's had some uh, success early uh, since he went out of the zone. So he's he, he fits my mold of a trainer that uh, I'd uh, put my horses with.
1: All right. And honestly, if I have my horses, I'd probably find, like if I was in New York, I'd probably find a more New York-based trainer who was more hands-on, if you will. But uh, I'm just talking about top trainers here. Uh, number six is a trainer I love, one of my favorites, Graham Motion. I just think an excellent horseman. Uh, so Graham Motion at number six for me.
0: Okay. All right. Well, if we were just talking about the top 10 trainers, people could just go to Equibase and say, give me the stats on the top 10 trainers. They wouldn't have to listen to us for the next 20 minutes. (laughs) I can just pick the guys who have notebooks and the girls who have notebooks. I'll just go with that. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll move this along. So I'll do both number six and number five, because they're both local to Maryland and they're new on the scene. Jerry or Jeremiah, a.k.a. Jerry O'Dwyer, I picked him because he's done extremely well with two-year-olds. He, I would put him in the um, Todd Pletcher slash Wesley Ward category for bringing along young horses. Uh, he had a promising uh, two-year-old that he they wound up shipping over to Dubai in the middle of the the pandemic, Schotsky, and the race was cancelled. but uh Jerry is a uh up and coming uh trainer that he, he just recently won his hundredth. he's only had six hundred uh, plus mounts uh or starter, so um i, I like I like uh Jerry or Dwyer and staying in Maryland. I'll go with Mrs. Sheldon Russell, Brittany Russell. Brittany is, uh, has barely had a hundred plus starts in uh, 2020, but her horses and she gets decent horses. She also claims horses. She wins at a 27% clip in the money 60% of the time. Um, Brittany, I think, has a bright future. So they're my number six to number five.
1: All right. We obviously made our list a little differently here. We probably should have talked a little beforehand, but that's okay. You're picking people you know who you put horses with. I'm picking who I think are the best trainers out there. And I don't disagree with your trainers. Your your trainers are very good.
0: We could just look at Equibase to find out who the best trainers are.
1: That's not true, though, because you're going to look and you're going to see Bob Bob Baffert. You're going to see Brad Cox. I, I, I don't think they're the best. And they're not on my
0: list. Well, that's because you're, you've put your disclaimer in there. But I can exactly. almost guess who your next five are.
1: You probably can get – well, you're not going to get some of them. But you'll get the top three, definitely. All right, so let me go. You know, Why don't I just run down the rest of my list so we can get to jockeys here. All right. My okay. – who I think are the best trainers. Now, listen. I know it's – there's probably some trainer out there at some small track. Who's better than these people, maybe? He just doesn't have the horses. So I realize that.
0: Well, but I'm just well, saying my, – my, go ahead. My top four, you'll at least know who they are. I've heard of
1: them. And they train outside the Chesapeake Bay region.
0: Yes, they do.
1: Okay, very good. Do they carry (laughs) notebooks? That's the most important thing. Because if they don't, they they do not hold any water in my book. All right. Anyway, number five, I still think he's one of the best trainers in the country. I would never have my horse with him because I don't have the money to pay him. But Todd Fletcher, number five. Number four, Chad Brown, as much as I'm not a fan of his – he gets horses to run. He gets the best stock of horses. That's why I didn't put him at number one or two, but he's on the list at number one in Echo Base if you want to go by just a list. And then my top three, who I love these guys. Number three, Billy Mott, who I think is a great horseman. Number two, I couldn't decide. It was so tough picking who's next, who's next. I'm going to go Christophe Clement at number two. He's now getting more notoriety because he's been red hot, but he's been known for a long time. And the number one trainer, and if I had a horse, even though he's got a lot of horses, if I could pay any trainer and money was not a concern, I'd probably go with Graham Motion if I could or the guy who's number one on my list, and that is the guy I love and that you've heard me talk about, Shug McGehee. I just Shug think he's a fabulous horseman. So, New York based. He's from Kentucky, I think, so I kind of have a mix there.
0: Here, here's the reason why I didn't put Shug on my top ten. Shug's in the quality right no of anymore. his career. He's in the twilight of his career. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's a great trainer and I wouldn't love having a horse with him, but I just thought that, that there were other people who I personally w- would uh, admire and like to have, have them with my horse if money was no object, okay? Hmm. So I'll quickly go through my, my last four. I thought about all the top trainers nationally. And I think one guy who has been on like a roller coaster ride over the years, and he's kind of at the McPeak of his career this year. Ken McPeak. He got a lot of a lot of press with Swiss Skydiver. You know, he he's had other decent horses in the past. And I just think he's an honest upfront guy and he's he's approachable um i went with chad as num- my number three i mean there's no doubt about it if you have a turf horse you're going to give him the chad N- nobody else I-, I i can't think of anybody else who who you'd want to give. if you pay a million dollars uh, for
1: the force you're going to give it him-
0: exactly exactly you know if if i was peter grant's or peter brant's uh grandson I- I would, uh, <laughs> take Chad number two Mark Cassie only because Mark runs his horses into the ground (laughs) I mean he you know he wants to run horses and that's what owners want to do they want their horses to run And, and so so Mark's had success and he seems to be a guy who you know you can go out and have a beer with and uh uh, at least he he's a talk, talk to you. And my number one, I can't believe my number one actually made your list. I should be honored that he made my list. A guy who is, he's mainly just runs his horses in Maryland. <laughs> Even though, see, he's had a few Breeders' Cup winners, he only runs in Maryland, and he's, he's won graded stakes all over the country but he only runs in Maryland, Graham Motion. Graham Motion, I will forever admire, and maybe, you know, not maybe, it's definitely tainted because I went to interview him um, um, prior to to, I was gonna run in the Freakness. I went up to um, where he trains in Fair Hill, and um, you would have thought I was the person who what um was the the higher um you know the the person who was important in the room versus you know he he was just so accommodating, so kind with his time, and um uh Barry Irwin said it all back when. Animal Kingdom won the Kentucky Derby. Of why do you have Graham Motion training um your horses? He said, I'm tired. I was tired of trainers lying to me. So that kind of tells you right there the type of communication Graham Motion has. So that's why. And Graham is not a turf specialist. He's not, you know. He can get horses to run on any surface, which is huge. So yes, my my list was unorthodox. It was heavily weighted to trainers that I've come across know, know what their work ethic is, but I approached it from that angle. So I apologize.
1: All right, and I love motion. You know, my three favorite trainers, if I just want my favorites, would be, and they're right at the top anyway, uh, Shug, Vilmont, and and um grand motion those are my my three guys all right so the jockeys we'll do it a little quicker because uh this is gonna be a really long show otherwise i am very east coast centric or new york centric i won't lie you've heard me say it before i really think the 10th best jockey in new york can probably win any other riding title in the country and you'll see that reflected um i admittedly don't watch california and also i'm not a, listen i'm not a jockey expert I'm sure I'm going to mention someone and other people will really understand jockeys, maybe other jockeys will be like, ah, oh, he can't really ride as well as this other guy. But this is just based on my observations of years of watching races and who I would want on my horse. And maybe in different situations, I know some people are considered like specialists better speed riders, et cetera. I remember back in the day, I used to love chop, chop, Jorge Chavez. He was great on speed horses. I thought, um, you know, if he had a closer, eh. but on a speed horse, he was so good at getting to the front and, and, getting that horse to run well on the front end anyway. So, um, I did not really include much West coast. I included West one West coast rider in my uh, top 10. And I don't even know if he's the best rider on the West coast, but I'm more familiar with him. Uh, so I'll, I'll read down maybe my, uh, number six through 10 to make it go
0: quicker here. All right. So, 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 so just to be clear, yeah. you, your list is based on what just their results or oh, who I
1: think are the best jockeys? like, if I needed, if I had a big race to win on a generic surface, I'm not, you're not told the surface, you're not told the distance. So you don't know, you don't know the horse. It could be a speed, a close. You have no idea of anything. You just need a jockey to win a big race for you. Who are you going with? That's how I did my list.
0: Okay.
1: All right. So number 10, I'm going to read down 10 to six. I'll go that way. So it goes quicker. Okay.
0: That's, that's good.
1: Um, number 10. He just made it, Javier Castellano. At one point, he would have been like the top three in in you know my list, but that was several years back. But I still put him at number ten. Number nine, my one West Coast guy, Flavian Pratt, and I'm assuming he's better than Rispoli, but I don't really know Rispoli on it. Maybe he's that good, but I know he gets a lot of praise. But I went in Pratt number nine. Number eight, you'll laugh, and people out there might laugh. Jose Lescano at number eight. Number seven, Luis Saez, and number six. I went with the other Frenchman, one of the others, Florent Giroux, who I know you love to say, so you put him on your list just because you want to say him, even if you don't think he's top 10. So 10, Castellano, 9, Pratt, 8, Jose Lascano, 7, Luis Saez, 6, Florent Giroux.
0: Your 10 through 6. All right. I'll start off with uh, um, one of your faves, and, and and not to just patronize you, but – I, I have um, liked the way Jose Lascano has always ridden. And I agree with you that uh, his win percentage would be much higher if he was riding elsewhere, but it is what it is. So Jose Lascano is number 10 on my list. I go down to South Florida year-round. Whenever there's a jock who I uh, uh, think uh, is going to carry a race, Edgar Zayas, he gets a lot of mounts, and he, I think gets the most out of his horses, so he's my number nine. Number eight. And I didn't I didn't laugh out loud, so that's good. I, I kept it in. That's all right. Hey, you know what? I'm got, here. Here's how my my list is going. Not looking at Equibase to see who wins all the races not looking at Breeders' Cup to see who gets all the mounts. I'm going by every single day of the week, when I see a jock riding a race, whether it be a claiming race or a stakes race, I wanna see the effort they put in on that, that horse. I don't want a damn jockey who takes a race off. And there's plenty of them out there. And so just by my, the races that I've observed, this is what I see. So, you know, yeah, there's going to be plenty of great grade one winning jockeys that I don't have in my top 10. <laughs> but you know what? You know, just can't go there. All right. So number eight, number eight, I'll go with Florent Giroux, for obvious reasons. I'm going to go north of the border for number seven. I don't know if he's just having a good uh, year but uh every time i look at woodbine justin stein is winning and he's doing he's not doing it on um uh, favorites so justin stein gets my north of the border uh vote and then number six even though i'm not a big fan of how he rides because sometimes he'll take horses without any need and go out to the lead and someone who actually is based in New York, I'm not going to call him out, who knows Joel well, says Joel has a weight problem. So on a, on a you know track that rides Wednesday through Sunday, Wednesday isn't his best day because he's, he, he's got weight issues. But you know what? When the weekend comes around, he's going to be there. And I'm talking about Joel Rosario. So that's my 10 through 6.
1: You know, this is subjective, opinion-based. I tell my students, we sometimes in class talk about um, things that are opinion questions, like should the United States have dropped the atomic bomb in 1945? And I tell them there's no necessarily right or wrong answer. It's an opinion as long as you have it backed up with uh, reasoning. Uh, In this case, your opinions, oh my gosh, I might actually mark it wrong if this was an exam. Justin Stein and highest in the top 10. It's for effort. Mike Luzzi tries very hard. Did Mike Luzzi crack your top five? Because he really tries hard every time I watch him. And he carries a let's notebook let's and he stands put, in the
0: panic a lot. Let's put it this way. Hopefully, we have people listening to us that, that aren't, don't uh, live only in Maryland or New York, or, or also only don't look at races that are grade ones they might actually know some of these jockeys that I'm mentioning.
1: <laughs> I'm aware of all of them. All right, let me go with my top uh, top five here. I'll just rattle them off, I guess. Uh, this is where New York-centric, sorry. Number five, Jose Ortiz. You gave me a dirty look. Number four, I'll get laughed at, but I don't care, because I really feel he's that good. Junior Alvarado. You'll give me the – oh, no. Is yeah,
0: this the, the top – Top ten in New York or the top top ten jockeys who've ever ridden a race in New York? Is that what this
1: uh is? that is the top ten jockeys in New York, top ten jockeys in the country almost synonymous. But number three
0: but This is the guy that, now, that yeah. if you live in New York, you're the best in the country, you know. If I lived in New York, I might actually have my own show.
1: <laughs> you wouldn't have to be honest. it <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> anyone out there who doesn't think the New York Jockeys are the best I don't care I know I'm from New York but anyone who doesn't think the New York Jockeys are the best are nuts listen continue I only put 10 two 10 in my I, I I have a couple other guys in I put Pratt I put uh Giroux in reluctantly but I put him in anyway number three is a guy who in my lifetime up until recently If you had to tell me in my lifetime watching horse races, I go back to like the early 90s or mid 90s, I I remember very well. Like early 90s, I can still remember. I was fairly, you know, teenage or whatever. But in my lifetime, this guy was probably the best jockey, although recently I've changed my opinion. Um, And he's still number three in my book, Johnny Velasquez, Johnny V. When he was riding for Pletcher in the late 90s to early 2000s, to me, that was like a five-year period or so where he was the best jockey. Now, listen, he gets the best mounts, but there's a reason he's getting the best bounce. Uh, Jerry Bailey was probably the best jockey in the 90s, early 2000s, and him and Johnny V had some major battles. It was great watching, two of the best jockeys. And maybe Bailey was better, but I, just, I always liked Johnny V a little better. Um, so he's still number three. He kind of tailed off. He'd gotten hurt. And he just had a resurgence and to me, he's, he's so good. I mean, he, he doesn't find trouble. I just, I'm very happy if he's on my horse, even at age 50 or whatever. I think he turns 50 next year on uh, number two. I know he didn't make your list because once in a while he gives up on a horse. So God forbid, you know, he's the best jockey in the country, but he gives up once in a while when he doesn't have a chance. Uh, that's number two, Irad Ortiz or Erod if you want to pronounce it, but Irad Ortiz came in number two and number one, who I've said this, whether it's on Twitter or in our handicapping chats on, uh, uh, Slack. I honestly feel that this guy has become the best jockey that I've seen the way he's ridden in the last year or two. And I don't think there's a question in my mind, there's no question that he's the best jockey in the country. I don't care what day of the week it is uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but Joel Rosario is riding. So I've never seen someone time rides the way he is. He everything goes right yeah once in a while is he gonna get in trouble trying to save me of course that's gonna happen but he's one racist single-handedly i feel more than any other jockey that i've seen maybe in my lifetime and definitely over the last seven years so joel if i had a horse to win a race right now hands down joel isn't my pick for jockey he wouldn't ride my horse because it's like a ten thousand dollar maiden claimer but so he'd would be riding
0: pick? on a wednesday so he'd have a hard time making weight
1: yes i make sure to enter on sunday so i have a better <laughs> chance at winning. All right, so rattle through your top five and uh, whatever you want to say about it, so I can make fun of it. I right, so to five you. Is,
0: okay, let's see. My number five is Luis Cardenas. Um, with the New York <laughs> Listen,
1: I like him. I think he's going to be
0: terrific. Oh, i I thought you were being serious. Hey, in Maryland, he could eat. Yeah, uh, okay, he's very so good. He's he's terrific. <laughs> of course, okay, number is great. Four is- my number four is Malon You know, I know you'd love you love her. Oh, that's right. She's not riding in New York anymore. She she couldn't make it in New York, so she's gonna make it anywhere.
1: Paula, what so, uh, uh, was her name? Paula Cayenne Bruno. She was amazing too. New York jockey.
0: Yeah. All right, go ahead. You're uh, real
1: five I, to one because you're confusing people.
0: <laughs> okay. I uh, tainted toward the mid-Atlantic. The these are the the only mid-Atlantics. And I put on as 4A and 4B. Uh, They're inseparable. Sheldon Russell and Trevor McCarthy. Only because when you're watching a race, you can tell in the stretch which horse is being ridden by either one of them because they're giving 110% effort. They're not strangling the horse because, oh, well, you know what? I'm fourth right now. I'm not going to win. So let me stand up 10 yards before the wire so that I, I I get no, my horse get nosed out a third. Have you ever seen any of those photos where, oh, here's the photo for third and the one jock is standing up. I'm sure if you, if, if that was your horse in the triple, you'd still love that jockey. So
1: the caliber for making the top five jockeys in the country is that you don't stand up on a horse in third.
0: No, it it's given 110%. You're, you know what? <laughs> I, I a trainer once told me there, there was a jockey that they used and would never use them again because they never rid out all the way to the wire. All right. Um when you do your job, if you're working eight hours, do you say, I work seven, uh, I think I'll slack off for the last hour. Is that is that how you approach your job? <laughs> so why so why should why should a jockey ride a race, and not ride up to the wire? Because if I'm a basketball
1: player, then you can ask me that. And, yes, I would. If I was, uh, you know, if my team was down 20 with two minutes to go, you know what, I might ease up a little bit. I'm sorry if that speaks badly well, to my character. I'm
0: not your coach, or you'd be a, a splinter jockey on the bench. <laughs> All right, we digress from our right. little uh, exercise here. Go ahead. You, you may you may actually agree with at least my top two since you didn't mention my number three because you probably don't even know he he exists because he's not in New York. Number three is Umberto Rispoli, <laughs> uh-huh. an Italian jockey who, if anybody cares to watch races at Santa Anita or Del Mar, he's probably the best turf rider they have out there. Now, when Irad shows up, the Earth stands still, and he wins everything. Not not because it's Chad Brown's horse that he ships out there, because he knows he can win the race. It's because Irad is such a wonderful jockey that Irad makes the horse win. The horse isn't that good, so Rispoli, I would uh, use him. Now, shocker, I have Irad as number two as well. Wow! You can guess why. You can guess why I put him at number two. Come
1: I, I can't guess why because you don't want him why? at number one. Why number two?
0: Because he sucks on Sundays.
1: <laughs> oh, so he's not number one because Sunday he struggles, <laughs> oh, even no, though he no, just wait, won wait. three he, the other Sunday. He or
0: something. did win <laughs> the nightcap at Santa Anita. Yeah, but I will go to my grave. And anybody who wants to challenge me on this. Look at IRAD stats on Sunday. I can guarantee you his win percentage is way lower than his typical. So I'm giving you a tip right now IRAD, I wouldn't put him on top in the majority of my bets. There you go. And my number one shocker, I don't even think you put this guy in your top 10. Flavian Pratt.
1: Now he was there, number eight or something. Okay. Had have to look.
0: Levin Pratt um, is a smart jock. He adjusts to the horse's racing style and he realizes he's a student of his profession, meaning he obviously reads the form. He he knows what his competition is. And as horse players, don't you love that you have a horse that has speed and you're you you love speed. You hate betting on closure So every race, your horse is going to be near the lead, right? So this, <laughs> this, I'm 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 preaching to the choir here. And you tell me if you haven't felt this. Your horse has speed. Race goes off. It's a distance race, okay? And your jock is. Hell bent on having his horse on the lead, even though there's a fifty-to-one who doesn't have a shot, setting un-ungodly fast fractions, and your 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 jock is there head and head with this horse that you know is going to throw at the anchor on the turn. Doesn't that kind of irritate you that your jockey doesn't realize that you're you're pressing a pace that uh, with a horse that is gonna throw out the anchor anyway? Or are you okay with that because it's New York? Uh,
1: well, it doesn't happen in New York because there's no such thing as a fast pace. But obviously I prefer my horse not doing that. I also know I don't know enough about jockeying to know maybe fighting the horse or it's impossible to slow the horse down or however it works. So, uh, but yeah, obviously I would prefer not to have that situation.
0: So, that, and so that, that's the reason why I, I Flavian Pratt on top. Because he wouldn't do that. Okay. Anyway. Oh, that's my opinion, seeing seeing yeah. him ride races. Because so. the
1: New York jockeys constantly go 21 and 44 in distance races, you know, against each other.
0: No, it's just a total observation.
1: All right. I, I was going to throw Dylan Davis Believe and Kendrick Carmouche in my top ten, but I thought you'd laugh at me, so Believe I didn't.
0: Believe me, King Irad should – be number one on everybody's top jockey list right uh, I mean no, no, we, Joelle, it, Joelle. Let, let's put it this way it, I mean I mean there, there are jockeys who you know leads in stats and whatever but it, and, and here's the thing when I, I actually researched this you know as much as you want to mock who I put in the top 10 I did I did do research and i was ready to bash irad thinking okay all he cares about is winning you know um but in reality not only um was he in the top well he he so far in 2020 he has the most wins well he he also has in the top 10 of the most mounts so whatever anyway but he he has he's in the top 3 for the number of times he's placed and showed so you know i looked at that because i'm thinking okay a guy like him if he's if he's not going to win the race maybe he's just you know packing it in or whatever but it shows that at 56% in the money now you know like anything stats you can you know arranged to your favor or dislike how many of those horses i i, I would think that 56 percent of the time irad is on either the favorite or second or third choice right i would say so, most of the time yeah top three right. choice almost uh, so race. you would hope with that in mind he could finish in the top three more than half of the time,
1: right? But there's also a reason why he's riding those horses. But I hear you, you can, like you said, you yeah. can look at the stats many ways and manipulate them. Yep. But yeah, he should finish in the top three a lot, and he does, yeah. so uh, it makes sense. I, I think if you polled a thousand people who follow horse racing closely, I, I think overwhelmingly it would be Ired and Joel one two. irad would have been number one. Yeah. Joel has been so hot the last six months that I think a lot of people might put him above now, or or at least very close. But I, I think most people would agree those are the top two. Grant, they get great mouths, and I think Ira gets better mouths, but um, I, I think most people would agree those in the top two, and they were my so, top two. I don't know, you dropped Joel because he doesn't eat too much on Tuesday or something like that. But Well, so, um,
0: the, so so the big question is, with the announcement earlier in the week that Joel is moving his tack to Southern California, did you cry yourself to sleep that you wouldn't be able to bet him in New York every Every, no
1: um, i i spent the night instead of crying wondering is he gonna win 75 percent of the races or 85 <laughs> percent of the races out there and by the way now you'll see how good a jockey you have out there with him compared to these other guys i'm sure he'll get good mounts, okay. but the other guys get the mounts too
0: okay so so you're predicting he's going to win the riding title hands if he gets enough
1: mounts absolutely percentage wise he'll be right at the top he'll probably win the title he's He's the best rider. It's not even close. Now, listen, I don't watch Pratt a lot. At least I've seen him. That's why I put him on my list. Rispoli, I've watched maybe like three days. I just don't watch California racing. I'm not into it. I think they all cheat out there, and that's my opinion, and I just have no desire to watch it. So the not the jockeys, the, the trainers. So I have no desire to watch people who tolerate a guy who gets 41 violations, yet is held as a god. I'm sorry. Um, but So I won't watch it. So I admit I don't watch Rispoli much, and I know great things are said about him. And I'm not going to disagree that he's a top 10 jockey. I just haven't seen it. And the competition he's going against is nothing compared to what the guys in New York are going against. And that's just my opinion. It's right, but it's my opinion. All right. Can, can we go on to the pick six? So it's, we're two hours into the show and we actually covered some races here? Yeah, gotcha. All right. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll, I was going to do a little more extended handicap, but we'll do a, a little abbreviated now because we went for a long time. But I had fun. I don't know if the listeners had fun, but I had a little fun there. So Aqueduct on Saturday, December 5th, it is a pick six mandatory payout. We talked about that last week with Gulfstream uh, West, how you know, some people don't like playing it with small budgets or whatever. They feel the sharks are out there, and I wouldn't object if that's how you feel, or I wouldn't you know say play it if you don't want to, but I like carryovers. The odds are in your favor, I think, as far as the reduced takeout level, basically. And I enjoy playing the carryovers. It won't be a big carryover. And the other thing too, is you'll see in the pick five, I'm very chalky, at least in the first leg, I have a price. So I'm hoping that, you know, if I play the pick six, at least I'll get a price in the first leg, where the pick five, I played that. I I don't know if I'd have any prices. So uh, we're going to go through the sequence here. It's supposed to be a sloppy mess on Saturday. So I handicap, assuming a sloppy track, they only scheduled one turf race, I think, the whole day, knowing that it was going to be bad. And I handicapped that race for off the turf. I think I mentioned to you the other day that it's going to come off the turf, i 90% sure. So I didn't even look for it on turf. When we get to it, we'll talk about it. But it starts the sequence yeah. on Saturday at Aqueduct with race five, a steak bread made in special weight going six furlongs on the dirt. And this is a race where you have a favorite, the five, Summer Brew. A deserving favorite. There's a horse who ran a couple two-year-old stakes race, again, New York bread. One at Saratoga, where he didn't fare all that well. He struggled after a really good, uh, strong opening uh, race to his career. But then he came back to Finger Lakes, and there were six horses in the race, but it was basically a three-horse race. The top three were all about two-to-one range. I think it was like six-to-five, two-to-one, five-to-two. And those three finished in the top three. He ran well uh, in that race. He stalked um, a four-to-one shot and came in third, a four-to-five shot, I guess those would be awesome. Sat just off and had like the perfect trip. So I thought he ran pretty well in that race. Got a 67 buyer. Comes back into the maiden ranks. They bring him back to Aqueduct. Goes in the maiden ranks again. You think, all right, now he's going to easily break his maiden. He's coming up with 67 buyer. Uh, he, two stakes races. He just lost by a head in the stakes race. And he ends up running second. Ran a decent race, but I, I'm pretty good with the trip handicapping. I couldn't tell what to make of the trip. So if you're out there and watch the replay, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, at Bandits VB and let me know what you think about his trip last time. He saved ground the whole time, and I thought that helped him a lot, saving ground. But I thought he got it doesn't say it in the PPs. I thought he got stuck a little bit on the turn at the end of the turn and he lost some momentum and that hurt him. So I couldn't make it out like, did he run better than it looks? Did he run worse than it actually looks? I wasn't sure, but either way he got a 58 buyer. I think that's a fair number. And that could be good enough to win this, but I just think someone is going to step up in this race where I don't see him stepping up anymore. I think, you know, he is what he is, even though he's only at four races. So I want a lighter race horse or even a first-time starter here. And there's a horse I like, Um, a little bit. I don't love, but I like at a price, and I'm going to lean on him fairly heavily here. And that's number four, out first. For Jimmy Ryerson, we talk about trainers. He's an excellent trainer. For those who don't follow New York, you might not know him, but terrific trainer in New York. Doesn't have the numbers of the horses, but uh, he, he can get him to run. And of course, my boy Jose Lescano. But even though we just went through a jockey list, jockeys don't really make that much of an impression on I me, mean, especially in New York, because everyone you get is pretty good. So, unless it's like, a, oh, I don't want to say names, but there's one or two guys I, I would try and avoid betting. But otherwise, I don't really care who's on the horse that much. They're all good. So, Lescano and Ryerson, number four, out first. Why do I like them? That race he came out of was what I call a merry I'm not the only one, but a merry go round race. A horse, Karamoke, I believe is the pronunciation. Who was running on Saturday in one of the stakes races for two-year-olds? Um, that horse just wired the field at ninety-nine to one. I don't know what I didn't look at the actual uh, two-dollar win pay, so I don't know what he went off exactly. But ninety-nine to one, wired the field. The second-place horse stayed. The third-place horse stayed. I think one was um, eight to one, and then the eight-to-five favorite, which was Summer Brew. He was in that race too, up close to that. I guess slow pace because it was a merry-go-round. The four out first, yeah, he saved ground. But he had no ability to close there. No one was making up ground in that race. So I can excuse it a little. He came from six, got up to fourth, didn't really make up much ground, but at least he passed a few horses, really the only horse to do so for the most part. Uh, and I just thought he ran a, a much better race than Lux. It's also his first start. So I don't see him, a reason why he shouldn't move forward next out. Ryerson is, I don't think, known really for his first-time starters. He's got a decent number of second-time starters, including a positive ROI with the second-time starters. So I just think that horse has, again, I don't like to look at um, projected paces too much. It burnt me last week. In fact, the only race I lost last week in the pick six, my second choice uh, came in. But some of my um, picks, like for speed that I use and price plays, they just weren't that good. Uh, and I liked them because I thought they were the lone speed. In some cases, they weren't. They still sucked. So I, it hurt me last week. But anyway, um, so out first, there should be some pace to close into. And I just think he's going to step up off of that race. He couldn't close based on the setup. And, and I think and he has a good chance to win this race here. So I'm with the four. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to avoid the favorites here. Five could win. The six, La Urbana. Nothing against him. His first, her first race was pretty good. Last race was just okay, I thought. Came in second. Uh, had a fairly easy lead. So, uh, and the winner in that race, um, Vake, who came back to win nicely, had an awful trip. Didn't break and wide and all. So even though only lost to Vake by a length or so, they uh, had a terrible trip, so really, in a way, lost by more than that, so that horse can win the sixth, Laobrana, some rubies that can win, I'm not against those horses, uh, the maker horse, the, the 11, Sister Q, I thought their debut wasn't so bad, Um was pushed by a nine-to-five shot, so kind of got in a little duel, nine-to-five shot, they were well ahead of the rest, so ran well to hang on for third, last race, nothing special, pressed by a 10-to-one shot, who held fourth, so again, they can win, but I'm leaning heavily on the four. I'm not even single the four in the pick six. I'll talk about that at the very end. Um, I, I'm going to use some prices with them. I won't go through everyone I'm going to use right now, but uh, I'm going to try the two also unless I single the four at 20 to one. Maria's gift. I don't love the horse, but Handel, despite the numbers, is a very good young trainer uh, and can get those horses to win. So if you don't know Ray Handel, um, he can easily you know, go off on a 25% win clip at any moment. And uh, the horse at least showed some speed, was three wide, chasing. What wasn't any match for the, uh, for the horses, he kind of quit, but could not improve second out. And uh, I thought the seven at least had a shot. I'm looking for new faces here. Uh, the jockey you love, Cardenas, who's actually a very good apprentice, one of the better ones I've seen in New York in a long time. Horse ran the turf, ran crappy on the turf, but now tries the dirt and uh, I'm willing to forgive the turf race. And I'm looking for, for someone out there, but the four is a main horse I'm going to play around with here. Um, any any thoughts before I move on? This is probably the race I'll spend the longest on because uh, the others, uh, I'm kind of chalky and quick. Go for it.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll just throw in some opinions. The next great New York base rider, Farron Peterson's on the 10-horse bull. Uh, the fact that the matter of this horse ran in open maiden specials comes back to the New York Breads, changes trainers, the James Jerkins, who I know you I can't believe he didn't make your uh, top ten trainers. <laughs> He's good. He's good. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I give that horse a shot, you know, and the fact that, uh, had a, you know, since being sent over to Jerkins at, at Belmont, has had three workouts, progressively a good Belmont track. So if it's going to be off, maybe Miss Peterson can get this horse out. Uh, to near the lead. Other than that, I'd go with the two horses that show, showed speed to get, get out on, on top. Uh, I guess Joel's hanging around this weekend. Well, um, Santa Anita doesn't open until the 26th, like after Christmas, so I guess he'll ride either uh, here or Florida okay. for a month, and then he'll go out there around gotcha. Christmas. Alright, so so I, I'd take Joel uh, on the Asmussen course, that uh, La Urbana, the sixth, you know, just was second best to a next out winner. Um, so, yeah, I think those two. And uh, to change it up, another one of your, your uh, jocks uh, in New York, uh, the three-horse Chili Choose. Manny Franco takes uh, the reins on this one, adds Blinker, so maybe that will uh, help. Uh next time out, so yeah, they're just three that uh you kind of really didn't you know say a lot about uh here I'd throw in some opinions there,
1: all right, so again i I'm probably singling out first the four at ten to one um if not, I'm going deep and I'm gonna try and beat the chaco. you mentioned one or two of them, but I know the five some are rude La the six uh or the eleven uh and ninety two c s the q those are the three favorites, I guess at least morning line. I'm just going to try and beat those horses, whether I single the four or I go deep. I'm not sure yet, uh, but I'm going to try and beat them because I just don't think they're that much better than these horses or the chances one of these horses will step up. If I was going vertical, I'd be a little worried because chance on one of those favorites will run, you know, second or third at worst. But uh, so that's what I'm doing in that race. Uh, moving on to race six, the Go for Wand grade three at a mile, one turn mile on the what will be the sloppy dirt track. This is an interesting race to me. It's not a great race. It's not a great betting race, in my, in my opinion, just because it's a small field and I think a few horses have no shot. But uh, I'll just mention three horses quickly. Nona Madeline is the morning line. I was curious favorite. I was curious to see the morning line here because I wasn't sure between the one and three who would be the favorite. I figured the one would be, but I wasn't positive. And the one was made by David Aragona, the 45 shot uh, favorite. Now her race, two back, she got a 94 buyer at Monmouth in that Lady's Secret handicap, which she won against Royal Flag. She stopped a slow pace. The 9-2 leader did fade in that race, but um, uh, other horses stuck around, and the pace wasn't that fast. So I didn't love the race. I thought the 94 might even be inflated a little bit. Then she came back last race in a similar grade three to turn back the alarm uh, stakes at Aqueduct a few weeks ago. I thought that was a race. It was kind of even pace, meaning no advantage being close or, or behind. She set off a fairly slow pace set by a 21-to-1 shot. Who's was in this race who faded the outside horse, I think. Uh, but she had a, a good trip. Um, and I think the fact that it was a fairly slow pace, she had a good trip, allowed her to have something left at the end, even though she got caught. So that 89 buyer to me is like what she is or at best. I know she's run some higher figures. The, the big thing with Nona Madeline is, This is the weakest field she's ever faced. I mean, it's just not a strong field. Last race, she's running against horses. that were like 85 buyers or higher. This race, except for the three sharp star, these are horses who run like 75, 80 buyers. So it's the easiest spot she's ever going to get for a graded victory here. She's 0 for 4 in grade 3 races, at least on paper here, unless there's one before. Uh, But I don't think so, because she only had a couple races that are not on the PPs here before that. So 0 for 4 in these... um, in grade three. If she's ever going to win one, this is the one. I just couldn't separate her with Sharp Star. Now, Sharp Star is the only horse I would not like. She ran a 70 buyer two back and then popped up to run a hundred buyer against weaker New York red starter allowance. This is a three, by the way, Sharp Star, uh, against first level allowance. So much weaker feel. She ran a 101. So my radar is going up, whatever you want to call it. My flag is going up saying, all right, wait a minute. She improved 30 buyer speed figures, I don't know if I believe in bounce necessarily, but that's like bounce territory if you want. And she did it against nothing. I, you know, the, when I see the buyers, I want to see who they did it against and how they did it. If you have a fairly good trip against weaker horses, I'm not that impressed. It could be inflated because horses get—I don't know—brave is the right word. But you know, if I was playing uh, someone, I've used this analogy before. If I'm playing like someone in say fifth grade in basketball, I'm gonna—I'm gonna do really well. I'm not gonna get tired just because it's so easy for me. Where if I go against someone who's much better or older or quicker, like a college athlete, I'm going to struggle a lot more, not just because they're good, but because I have to expend so much more energy just trying to stay in front of them and all. So running against better horses, you're using more energy and things. So the buyer against better horses to me is more impressive than a good buyer against weaker. So for most reasons, I shouldn't use the three. Here's the reason why I'm scared, though. The race two back at Pimlico, I liked her that day in the um, Black Eyed Susan. I thought she had a shot at 39 to one, and she didn't run great on the surface, but she had a very wide trip. She was three wide the whole way. She was rank on the first turn, kind of got bumped a little on the first turn slightly, and like her head jerked wide, and she was kind of rank. And I think she ran between that and the, the wide trip. I thought she ran a lot better than it looks. So I don't know what buyer she would have gotten. I don't even care about the 70 because she kind of just gave up in the end, which you're probably upset with Alex Cintron because he gave up because he had no shot. You wanted to try no matter what. But she um, forget the 70 buyer. It was better than that she ran. So I think with a clean trip, she could have been in the 80s maybe. I don't know. I'm just thinking. So that 100 buyer she got last time, 101, I don't think it's his biggest step up or jump up from a 70. I think it's more jump up from like a low to mid 80s buyer. So I'm scared of sharp Star. And I like her as a force and maybe she just figured it out last time. I really have to decide who to bet the one or three here. I'm not using both. I'm just too chalky and I don't think it's good to use a four to five and a three to two. You know what I'm going to end up doing? I'm going to end up using the one that's the better value. If one of them is taking a lot more money, because I really don't care in this race who people bet. You know, if it's like a two-year-old first time starter, I, I might care a little because someone with a lot of money might know. In this case, I don't think they know more than me. Uh, the, the big money people. Maybe they do, but I don't think so. So if one of them is a better price, I'll use that one. And the other horse, I'm going to go too deep here in the pick six. And I'm actually going to throw one other horse. I don't really think too many others have shot, but I'm going to try the five, a horse I never would bet for your, uh, for, for I'm sorry, I thought it was Linda Rice. It's Rob Atchris. Not much difference there though. Um, Rob Atchris, number five. And the only, I normally wouldn't like this horse, layoff horse and Jason service horse. So it was, you know, we talk about trainers that we think are drugging that we don't want to say because we don't know and it may be unfair. But for Jason's Service, we know, I guess he's still in court, so I shouldn't say we know, but the evidence is pretty clear about him. This horse, I'm sure, was, was being drugged. So no, I wouldn't want a horse like that. The only reason is, other than the one and three, I don't see anything else in here I like at all. And this horse on a sloppy sealed track got an 88 buyer, where she ran a 76 before it, 78 after it. So it was about 10 buyer points higher on the, on the slot. She's out a super saver who is, uh, you know, what won the Derby in the mud and and horses love the mud. So I just think maybe on the if it's not money I wouldn't use this horse, but I'm assuming it's gonna be money. I'll take a chance trying to get in the price here at eight to one morning line. So I'm either gonna use a one or three, and honestly I'm just going with the better price, and I think it'll be the three and um, the five. Maybe the one's just better than these, and and you can single them and move single her and move on. But I'm most likely going three five unless the one's better price. Any any uh anything to add there?
0: Yes, um, were was was Eric Rubin gracing this wonderful earth in 1990? Of course. Oh, I, I appreciate
1: I, you think I'm that young, though. But thank you.
0: I didn't realize you were you were that old. Do do you remember the horse Gopher wand?
1: Are you I, that old? I mean,
0: I I not watching the horse live,
1: but of course I know who the horse is. And uh, that was a sad ending, right? Am I thinking of the right horse? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. You know, uh, tragically broke down in the Yeah, very stretch. ugly, right? Yeah. Yes, very, very, very ugly, but it was a, a awesome horse. Ran, mm-hmm. You know, was with only losses other than that That, that race was uh, lost, uh, ran second in the frisette uh, and um ran second in the Kentucky Oaks other than that one ten over thirteen yeah, she was starts. I know. so she she was she was one special filly so um I just thought i'd bring up a little history lesson you know we we throw out um you know stakes races, and I figure i'd throw in since since i I was actually around and watched some of these horses run, I can relate to them and let 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 people who don't know otherwise uh i i can't add anything in this race other than what you said about the five horse obviously love the slop and can could possibly step up and and win and the one horse obviously is going to be the prohibitive favorite whether or not she can finally win a graded stakes it's the easiest uh well, should be the easiest, and I just think the the, the three horse sharp start uh, at that last race was just too good. She's she's I'm I'm not a sheets guy, so I have no idea, but that that looks to me that she she'd regress off of that effort. So yeah, and I think move on to the.
1: Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think the smart money is going to think that, and that's why it should be a better price. All right. Race seven. Now it's on the chart or scheduled on the chart, six furlongs. It's a first level allowance race, open company for uh, the girls. I handicapped it. And I think you did as well um, for off the chart. So if it's on the chart, ignore everything that we're about to say, because I didn't even look for a chart. I can't imagine with the forecast coming in, uh, that there's going to be on the chart. So with that having said, it's it's tough because you don't know who's going to be scratched. Exactly. You can get some ideas, but um, the horse that I like the most that I'm going to lean on the most. And again, a lot of this is price dependent too. Although in the pick six, it can't be, but as far as like any vertical best, I like the six Mrs. S, um, for a couple reasons here. First of all, um, I, I believe she's improving a three-year-old. She came off that layoff on September 27 and granted got really like a perfect trip. But again, it was off what a six month layoff or something like that. Five month layoff, whatever. Uh, you not want to do the math. And she also ran against some really good horses. Mrs. is is a horse that I talked about before on this show. I think on the Travers Undercard Day, maybe or Belmont Stakes Undercard. This is a horse who I expected to be like a, a grade one, grade two winner. And she's run well, but not well enough. And then she exploded, got a one-oh two buyer a week or two ago winning a race. I think it was a stakes race. And she's now on the scene as one of the better female horses. I think she's a four-year-old already, but one of the better female horses. So um, she might be four. She might be three now, turning four. I can't remember. Uh, actually, I think she is maybe uh, three, turning four. But anyway, my point is, she ran against a really good field, two back for this level. She probably needed the race. Then last race improved seven buyer points with a 73 buyer. However, um, in that race, there was a 10 to one shot who had an easy lead and held on for second. Um, and she almost won the race. A 10 to one. She almost stole the race. And really, it was a race that favored horses that were going to be closer to the pace and really wasn't a pace. So I think that um, that race is a lot better than it looks. She ran against Mrs. Danvers, who was second in the race uh, the whole way and then took the lead late. And Mrs. Danvers is not really a speed horse, but there was no pace, so she got close to the pace. So Mrs. S, I thought, ran a really stronger than it looks race against a really, really good horse. And again, the second place horse had such a pace advantage. So that 73 buyer to me is much higher than that. It's probably like a 78, 79 buyer in my opinion, which would probably win this race. And she's probably going to improve third off the layoff. My only fear for her, and she's run all on the dirt. So I can't, you know, they entered for the chart, but I assume they're going to run her on the dirt. My only fear for her is the distance. She's run longer and she hasn't had early speed. Now she's got to go six furlongs with no speed. That's why I wouldn't (coughs) single her because I'm just afraid of the trips she might get. But I think she's the best horse, in my opinion, here on the dirt. Other than that, you know, there's a lot of horses that have a shot. Uh, I'm not going to speak about them all just to, for speed purposes. 14 is 6-5, to five, Prairie Fire. Um, ran 3-wide last time, though. I had a pretty good setup. The 85-by-2 back, I think, is a little inflated. So I don't love the 14, but definitely can win for Linda Rice. I actually prefer the 15 a little bit. I don't know who the rider is, but... Uh, for Merkin Kantar Masi, who's a trainer who's fairly new to New York, but a Turkish trainer who's doing very, very well. Uh, Robert Amendola is a very good claiming owner, although this horse doesn't look like he claimed at least for a long time. I think there's a seven-year-old. She's coming off the best race of her life, but she's slowly been improving. So she's in good form. She has done very well on the wet track. Uh, her last race, I thought, favored closers a little bit, the Jump for Joy race on October 30th, um, claimer. Jump for Joy won that race. So I thought she ran really well, and I would up her buyer a little bit from an 82. So I think she would be my second pick if odds weren't a factor here. So I'd be 6'15", mostly. I think the 14 has a shot. What I'm going to do here, though, is I'm going to try and beat the 14. I'm going to lead the 14 out, even though she can win. And I'm going to use a lot of horses. Most of them are the main track onlys. Only one horse to mention that I'm going to use as a price. The two, Jasmine I don't love the horse, but she's in the best form for life. She's a four-year-old who's just gotten better and better and better. Whether that's good enough, I don't know. Um, she's probably not good enough and she's probably better used like in second, third or even fourth in supers, but, uh, I'm going to try and beat the, uh, the favorite, the 14, where I know can win mostly with the six and I'm going to press with the six, a lot of my bets, but, uh, I'll throw in the two also. And then a bunch of the outside horses, uh, for the most part, anything you want to add before we move on?
0: So, uh, um, it's definitely going to come off as, as you said, yeah, but yeah. the interesting thing is that usually um it'll say uh if it comes off the turf it'll be run at uh, this distance so I, I i guess the fact it comes off it's going to be run at six furlongs yeah you know it's nice no uh i'm just going to put a circle around 12 horse uh sweet kisses let jose go go to the uh lead and uh because the horse obviously. uh <clears throat> Adding Blankers the last two races, horses improved, has stayed on, uh, based on the other race, uh, it's past races where it seems like it uh, really uh, kind of gave up in the stretch. So uh, outside of any of the other main track only horses, um, the, the, the only other one at a, a huge price, that uh, I would use with my second time Blinker's Angle would be the the five-horse Jarrah, another former John Service. Well, oh, mm-hmm. this is a former John Service horse, not Jason Service horse.
1: Oh, you know what? I just circled Somebody, Service.
0: I didn't realize that. Thank you. Yeah, John, John Service. The horse hadn't been out since February. I think it, it obviously had some issues because it just finally... Uh, got back on the, um, got back into training in September, has a nice work tab leading up to this race. So, uh, it, you know, it it may be able to handle the, um, off going has, has a third, um, one time out on a muddy track. So yeah, there, there, there's two of them to consider. All right. Yeah.
1: And you know what? You changed my mind there because I, I liked his last race or her last race. It doesn't say it, but she got out to a slow start by at least a length, and speeds just went around the track there. was almost impossible to close in that race. And I know she wasn't far back, but that slow start cost her. She would have won that race, I think, if she got out based on the way the race set up. So it was better than it looks. Still a little light, but she's a three-year-old too, so she could be better. Linda Wright's very good off the layout, so I I would include that horse, um, assuming she runs, which I think she probably will. And then I just want to mention also, I'm trying to beat also your 12. I don't love the 12. I know Sweet Kisses can win. She had a fairly easy lead last time and couldn't hold on. So I'm avoiding her. That was seven furlongs. Maybe it was too far. I know she can win. And I know the 14 can win. But I'm just trying to beat those two favorites. I'm going to throw in the 11 too. I'm a sucker for Malibu Moons on the wet. Maybe the horse won't run because she's only run on the turf and synthetic. So maybe they'll scratch her on the dirt and she trains on the synthetic. But uh, mostly, although a couple of dirt um, workouts don't look bad. But Malibu Moons, I love in the mud. So I'm going to use the 11. I'm using a bunch of – I'm I'm centering around the 6. I'm going to use some prices and most of the main tracks only, trying to beat the 12 and the 14. All right, moving on to race 8. State brand allowance for first level. Uh, This one's also for the girls. A lot of girl racing at a mile. And uh, I thought I was chalking out here, and I am, but I do have a couple horses that are bigger prices than I thought the morning line would be. So I – Two main horses are two chalks, and like I said, I'm very chalky late here, so that's why I'm hoping to get a little bit of a price earlier. Um, number two, Wasp, two to one. Makes a lot of sense. Um, you know what? Had a perfect trip last time. Perfect trip, but one for fun. I mean, blew the field away. That was against Maidens, now stepping up against winners, so it's a step up. But she won so easily. She she doesn't have, like, a, a dominant buyer speed figure compared to these, so I that, I don't want to say scares me, but – you want to take a short price on a horse that's not run that much faster, but I think she could have run so much faster last time. Um, you know, geared down, didn't really have to be pushed. So I, I just think Wasp is going to be tough here. Uh, the horse I like that um, I'm going to also use, again, Chalky though, Blichton Lady, if that's how you pronounce it. This is a horse I've been on for a while now, uh, and, and I think she's each rate's gotten a little bit better. Her last race, she got a 74 buyer, which is better than the two, and against a lot of foes, so better foes. Um, but I thought she ran pretty well. In that race, uh, I don't see my notes there for some reason because I probably wrote about the race. Oh, that was a Sharp Star race. So she ran against Sharp Star just blew the field away. But I I thought she ran pretty well, contending a a pretty strong pace. So I thought she got a little better than a 74 buyer. She's a horse I've liked. I just think it's rounding into form. I'm a little worried she doesn't seem to win, but it hasn't been that many tries. So those are my main two. The only other two I'm going to touch in this race, and I wasn't going – I was just going to use those two and and chalk out. But because of the prices, I'm going to use two other horses – um, the nine is eight to one morning line. I'm going to use mostly because of the wet track performance last time. She had a good trip. She had a good setup. She saved ground, but again, her speed figure is the same as, as the other favorites in this race. And she likes it wet. I know that was an off the turf, maiden in conditional, not in a conditional claimer, uh, a little bit of a weaker feel, but it's not like this is the strongest field in the world. So, um, if it was dry, I would not use number nine Amos, but I'm going to use number nine Amos thinking she likes the mud and the other ones I was shocked at the price really surprised I guess not because she was 27 to one last time but I thought the one would be a lot shorter price if she was like six to one I wasn't going to use them. or 15 to one I'm going to throw the one in also um, two back I thought she got a good setup I wasn't that impressed with her run um, she she had a there was a three-way duel two back um, the one Lottie's mission and again perfect setup but she won easily kind of like I just talked about the the horse wasp the two She came back, and, yeah, it looks bad. She lost by 19 lengths. She was 27-1. She ran against Sharp Star, who was a monster that day, um, who beat everyone by 15. So she was only four lengths out of second in that race. She got a 69 buyer. That was a 10-point improvement over a race before that. If she can improve again, I don't see why she can't do better. And that 59 buyer she got was actually earned in, like, perfect setup. So maybe it was a little lower than that. So she improved a lot last race. I thought it might be a subtle improvement because, again, people will see, like, oh, it was, you know, 19 months she lost by, I know she need made claimers. Maybe that's why she's the price, but I'm going to use a one also. So um, usually when I use the two favorites, I don't want to go very deep. I don't want to use anyone else. If I'm using two favorites, but I'm going two twelve, 12 and I'm going to throw in the one and nine. So I'm four deep here in this race in my pick six.
0: Yeah. I, I I couldn't find Anything that uh, would uh, knock your socks off as far as the price goes. <laughs> The interesting thing uh, for Superfecta or um, Triple, I I give uh, this thirty to one number six First Dawn a look. I mean, the last two times on off track haven't run bad races, and that was in um, Allowance fifty thousand starter, where uh, you know we're we're back against New York bred, so. Uh, who knows? Maybe the, the combination of the uh, off going and coming back uh, with New York Reds will make her somewhat uh, competitive. But other than that, I'll go with the dynamic duo of uh, the Toddster with Johnny V and Chalk Out with Wasp.
1: All right. And, um, what was I, oh, I was going to say in this race, like the speed figure wise, no one really has a huge advantage. So I can see people spreading in this race perhaps. So um, maybe the two is actually good value at like a two to one, eight to five in the pick uh, six, because there's a lot of chalky looking races like the, um, that, that short field stakes race with uh, Nona Madeline and, and Chuck Starr and uh, coming up a couple races with some big favorites. So maybe a favorite there is kind of going against the grain where a lot of people might spread there. Now, of course, um, What's the name? I forgot the name. Wasp will end up uh, opening up a two to five and staying there or something that I said to that. But uh, anyway, but, let's it, it, it,
0: but here's the deal. I mean, of of all the races in the sequence, would you say this race is one where everybody's going to spread?
1: Well, I think it's hard to spread in some other races. It's hard to make a case against some of these favorites that are running today or Saturday. Right. So I think people, if they're looking to spread, will spread because I think there's a lot of logical singles. So people are like, all right, got to spread somewhere. So, yeah, I do think that people will spread there. So I think there is value on the favorite, but I could be wrong. So,
0: so to quote one of our guests inside the pylons, it's like if you're spreading in a, in a race that everybody's going to spread, then where you think there's value, there isn't going to be value because everybody's spreading. You know, exactly. It's like Oh, oh, an oh, eight to one morning line wins this race. Well, you know what? Everybody's got them because they spread. So, exactly. so there's no value. So but, that's a that, good that's point. why I ask. That's why I asked. It's like you know, um, don't spread where it's obvious to spread. But
1: right, you know. and and I'm gonna go four deep. So I guess that's kind of a spread. But I'm also had I have a very cheap ticket. I'm contemplating. And I'm going to press with the two and 12, meaning, I, you know, I'll have 20 cents with those four horses, but I'll have 40, 60, 80, a dollar or something like that with the other horses, um, the two and the 12. So in a way, I'm not necessarily spreading much that race where I think others will. All right. Last uh, two races. We got two stakes races. The ninth is a mile and an eighth for two-year-old Phillies again. It's a girl's day. The Demoiselle, a grade two event. I want to pick against the one. How do you pick against the one, now That I just... I'm one who's always looking to beat favorites. It's just hard. Um, she she won her maiden, uh, got a 77 buyer, which legit, like it didn't, you know, she got a decent trip, another special, it was fine. Um, then she had an 83 buyer last time. Uh, there were three across the track. She was one of the speeds. Another one was an 11 to one shot who kind of faded to fourth. You're like, oh, fourth, not terrible, but fourth out of five and way back. She was about, um, I'm trying to count the lengths, 10, 9, she was like 15 lengths back of this one. So she faded 15 lengths to the 11 to one shot. And then uh, Cafe Society was in here, was also up on the pace, faded to third, but a distant third. So it was an honest pace. Uh, even though the time doesn't look fast, the track was pretty deep that day, pretty slow. And the speeds for the most part faded. She was very impressive mal at that, that day. Four to five. I can't use a four to five shot and then spread in the race. So either I'm using the four to five shot or I'm spreading and trying to beat the four to five shot. And I tried to beat some favorites earlier in the car in the first couple races of the sequence. I think I'm just chalking out with Malathat here. The only other horses, I mean, there's three horses that look decent uh, who are probably nice horses, but do they stack up? One is the six cafe society? I actually liked her first race. Uh, Her maiden win better than Malathat's maiden win. I thought she did really well. She chased a three to five shot and came in third and a seven to one shot closer came in second behind her. So I thought the race set up for closers. She did a lot of dirty work. This is a six-cap A society in her maiden breaking win. I really like that race. She had seventy. I would upgrade that. But then what? Well, I shouldn't say what happened last time. She had a three-wide trip and it was not a great trip. And it was a, a a contested pace. So she definitely ran better than the sixty-five buyer last time. So I like her. Maybe even second most here. Probably second most. The problem is, yeah, she had a worse trip than Malathat, but it wasn't like ten lengths worse than Malathat. So. They both are coming into their third race. It's not like that had an experience advantage and now Cafe Society is going to catch up a little. It's just hard to make the case here. If I use the second horse, it would be Cafe Society um, coming in uh, also. So again, I might be very thin singling the first race, so I might end up throwing in Cafe Society. That's the only horse I would use. I love Bill Mott, as you know, the three horse, 72 morning line. Didn't love her maiden breaking win. I thought um, she, uh, she had a good setup with some speed. The two favorites up front, eight to five shot, two to one shot, kind of went at it. She had a great setup. So I probably didn't like her that much in the next race, but I mean, she beat horses who she was just better than. She improved significantly buyer wise, especially because I thought her first start, the 63 buyer was kind of inflated based on the trip. She got 73 buyer. She ran well. Uh, She did have a slightly slow start. I don't know if it says it in there. It doesn't. So she did have a little bit of a slow start last time. Again, you can pick these things up, watch the replays and you get value sometimes, but I thought she had a perfect trip other than that, sitting behind three speeds, so could she win? I guess she could, if the one doesn't show up, she's as good as anyone else, but um, I don't love, as much as I love Bill Mott, the four Malibu girl, I love Tom Amitrani, I didn't mention him, but he's one of my top trainers, he's also, she's also this uh, two-year-old out of Curlin, like the three, like the one, it's like the Curlin stakes, as you call this, um, she ran well, her first race was not very good, uh, she had a slow start though, so I don't know. And Albertani never wins really first out, although he won recently, but rarely. So I can forgive him the first start. She ran well last time. She uh, stalked a three to one shot who faded pretty bad, um, while too wide. Might a nine to one shot who was in third stayed third, so it wasn't like the race fell apart. It was an okay maiden breaker stepping up here. Listen, if you're spreading in this race, you want to use her. I have no problem. She can win. Some don't have a shot. I don't think she can win. The only other horse I want to mention just quickly. I know we're going long. Uh, because it's kind of our friends uh, have the horse. I don't know if they listen to the show, but did you notice the owners of the eight horse there? So let's
0: Yep. Yep. Designated hitters.
1: Designated hitters. Your Maryland uh, buddies, our our buddies through Wasabi Venture Stables. Wish them luck. Your boy, Jeremiah O'Dwyer. I thought the last fish was very good. Um, Much better than it looks. This horse had a four wide trip around the track, really wide trip and and won easily. Now listen, that was Maidens over at uh, Delaware. Even though, uh, well, this is a great two, and it is so much tougher race. I thought she ran much better than that. Hopefully, the distance won't be a problem for her. She can sit off if there's any pace and, you know, maybe make a late run and, and get some uh, pick up some pieces here. I'd be very happy for them if she won. I'd be shocked if she, if, if she won. But I think this horse is going to outrun her odds, definitely 30 to 1. So if I'm betting supers or tries, I, I would throw her in there uh, for that price, definitely. But I'm basically singling the 1 unless I also throw the six. And only because I, I was surprised that the six was six to one. I thought it might be a little shorter price, but Aragon is very good morning line. So he's probably pretty accurate with that. Any thoughts on the race there to add?
0: Yeah. I, I uh, well, you kind of stole my thunder that I was going to mention, uh, designated hitters entry. Oh, sorry. Celestial um, Cheetah. No, nah, no, nah, but yeah, obviously, you know, it ha- is up against it. Uh, but I think, the fact that uh, the track's going to uh, be sloppy could be in her favor. You know, she might be able to step up a little further. For some reason, I I was trying to find social inclusion's races, and I thought social inclusion ran well in in one of uh, um, the slop races, but obviously um, I was uh, mistaken because I – all, all, of its early wins uh, did not. But hey, I haven't seen too many horses out of social, you know, by social inclusion. Um, I think
1: this is the in- first uh, crop to race. Uh, I think they had said, and I think there was a winner over the summer at Gulfstream two-year-old race. Oh, okay.
0: So first. But first crop, yeah. Sure. But, yeah, but uh, hey, man, curling, curling, that's uh, <laughs> still popping out quality horses has the top three horses in this uh, race or top three fillies. So yeah, I, I wish, uh, all, all the luck to, um, our friends at designated hitters. Uh, they, they, uh, always, they, they go to the auctions and they, they, uh, have a good team that picks out some nice horses. And like I said, Jerry O'Dwyer's their trainer. Jerry gets a, does well with the two-year-olds, brings them along really well. So I wish them all the best. Uh, maybe they can pick up a minor check, if not shock the world.
1: <laughs> Amen to that. So I'm on the one. I just don't see the one getting deep as much as I love to beat the chalk. Uh, and if I throw in any other horse, it would be the six, Cafe Society. Uh, any, any, any final thoughts
0: or, or we're good? Nah, you, you pretty much said what I was, you know, had, you know, the, 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 the I, I, I like uh, Cafe Society as well as possible, one who, who could beat the one horse. But you never you know.
1: I'll throw in definitely uh, vertical bets that race. And now we come up to the final race of the sequence, the Cigar Mile. And yes, I am old enough to remember Cigar. In fact, if we had to rank our, maybe we'll do this another time or next week or something, but our top 10 racehorses that we've ever seen, I guess, maybe since like 1990 or something. So it's fair for both of us. Cause I'm not going to remember who. I-, I know of horses before that, but I didn't see them in my lifetime. I still say cigar is the best horse that I've seen. Uh, I was basically in college, or high school to college when he was running in the nineties. And yes, I was young. I didn't know as much about the game as I know now, but my memories of this horse are just dominant. Um, amazing wind streak, um, Alan Paulson, it was, everyone knows this, but Bill Mott, Jerry Bailey, I, I just, this was, um, this was an amazing horse, uh, Cigar, and there's a horse why, one reason why, when you handicap different surfaces, you have to, in my opinion, almost disregard the other surface. Cigar on the turf was like, you know better than me because you were following a lot closer at that point than I was, but uh, you know what, like a mediocre pedestrian horse, the best on the turf, and they put him on the dirt and he becomes one of the best horses of all time, in my opinion, maybe, uh, definitely the last 30 years. So when I handicap and I see a horse on the turf and then go on the dirt, I almost disregard the turf race. The only thing I look for, and I, I screwed myself last week because I didn't do this, or I did it and I didn't take it into account. If a horse, let's say a horse is running on the, let's say it's a, a, a turf race, and the horse runs on the turf and gets, you know, let's say a 70 buyer, next race runs on the dirt gets a 60 buyer. Next race runs on the dirt, gets a 50 buyer. Now is back on the turf. So I kind of ignore the dirt races. Her last turf race, she got a 70 buyer. So that's what I'm looking at most. Again, it's more than just buyers. I'm just being quick. I look at the trip and this and that, who she ran against. But because she regressed on the dirt, I might actually look at that and take it, Oh, maybe she's going the wrong way the horse. Where if she got two 50s on the dirt, so she got a 70 on the turf buyer, then two 50s on the dirt. I don't care about those two 50s because now she's back in the turf. So unless they're regressing figures or running worse on the other surface, I don't really care about the other surface. And Cigar is a good point in that. But anyway, so getting to this race, um, listen, this horse, I expect it to be one of the best older horses in the country this year. I'm not saying anything anyone doesn't know. Maybe outside of New York, the horse does not get the hype. But in New York, this horse may be overhyped, but Performer was going to be a monster. It was just a matter of time. he's had so many little injuries and and problems. I guess that's the one fear that the horse is not right maybe, but I'm sure Shoggy's not running, the horse is not right. And that's why he took so much time with him. The last was strictly a prep race. The horse could have won by 42 lengths if he wanted to. Uh, Got a 98 buyer, which probably is enough to win this race. And I think wasn't even trying, was not ready and all that. So I don't see performer losing has speed to sit close. Doesn't need to be on the lead, but should be somewhat close to the pace. Doesn't have to be uh, this. This is one of the best horses in the country. I would not be surprised if this horse wins the, um, the Pegasus, whatever they call it. They still call it the Pegasus uh, in January. I, I think is going to be the best horse in the country next year. If he stays healthy, that's a big if though. So performer is a single for me. I'm not even playing around with any other horses, just to mention one or two that people might think about. Forens fire. I heard, not personally because he was on a show, Jose Lascano's jockey agent was on a, another podcast, and he was talking about the races on Saturday at Belmont before they actually came out because he knew, like, the entries. Um, I, I guess they get access to the entries a little earlier or something like that. I don't think, you know, no shenanigans or anything like Ling the Rice. But um, Firenze Fire, he was mentioning, like, doesn't like the, the slop, and he wouldn't be shocked if they don't run on the slop. I am praying, praying Firenze Fire runs. I'm praying because if Forensic Fire doesn't run, Performer will be one to five instead of three to five. If Frenzy Fire runs, at least it'll be three to five. And a lot of people use both in the pick six. So I'll get a little more value. So please run Forensic Fire. Obviously if something's wrong with him. I don't want him to run and get hurt, but uh, I'm praying they run the horse. Listen that I said it before that Breeders cuff sprint race. I know Whitmore won and Whitmore is a cool horse. And I love Whitmore. Who doesn't love Whitmore? You love these old trying horses who always show up that was the weakest uh, Breeders' cut sprint race I've seen in my lifetime in 20 years. Uh, forensic Fire coming in third with a perfect trip, getting great setup, saving ground, does nothing for me. Uh, this horse, I, I have always liked the horse. It, it, it's so hard for me to root against a horse, a New York horse, one that I've loved, uh, a Belmont lover. Going to Belmont, watching this horse run is something I love to do, but I, I don't like this horse at all. And I hope he runs, and he's not going to be on any of my tickets in any bets. I'm not saying you can't get second or third just because of talent, but I- I'm against the horse. King Guillermo is interesting. I don't know. I didn't love this horse. I think the horse is okay. I didn't love the three-year-olds. I know Authentic won the Breeders' Cup and Classic, and I said three-year-olds weren't that good this year. And He was like the one exception. The other three-year-olds I don't think really showed up, at least on the boys' side. The girls' side, they didn't because they're, they're much better. Um, but King Guillermo got a good trip against Nadal, who was the best three-year-old maybe uh, this year, you can argue. But he got a great setup. Hasn't run a while. I I don't like King Guillermo here. I guess he can do well, but I'm against King Guillermo. And Mr. Buff is interesting. This horse always struggles when he goes in graded stakes. He's just way over his head. Against New York horses, does amazing. Has speed, not a ton of it in this race, I don't think, especially if uh, one or two horses scratch. We'll see. But I just don't think he's in the class of performing personally. But I I would sooner use Mr. Buff than Fire or King Guillermo personally. Uh, and I think he'll get a, a better price. And uh, that's it. I, I don't really like any other horses here. True Timbers are terrible. Maybe gets in the money. I picked him before on recent podcasts to come in, uh, like when he came in third against Win-Win-Win uh, and win, win Complexity. I used him that day at 37-1, to one, but I, I don't love the horse. And um, I just – Bone Ray The buyer two back for Bone Ray uh that nine horse, October 16th is about as dressed up a figure as you can imagine. It was like the perfect set. You could have closed running uh, on your own two legs into that pace and, and the way that race set up. Uh, I know you mentioned him in the Breeders' Cups, right? And I kind of laughed. I, I didn't like him at all. Um, didn't do anything. I, I laughed a lot of horses that do well. though, So I don't wanna, I'm not trying to brag there. Uh, so I don't see it. And mind Control has run good races, but I just I don't see anything here. I'm just a singling performer, and I'm praying for Enzy Fire Run so I can get a price. If I had to pick a second horse, it would probably be Mr. Buff, to be honest, but I don't even like him that much. Any thoughts to wrap up this pick six
0: yeah i'm i'm gonna say mr buff I, I i you know um not unless Joel decides from the rail to just send mr performer and not play around um uh, mr buff looks like he could he could get get out on the lead and if uh Joel lets him go uh he could he could stay um other than that, yeah, it, it's interesting. I was looking at uh, Forensic Fire about the uh, off the tr- track, thinking he'd probably be scratched as well. But the horse does have a did, did win on an off track. Pro- it was probably his, his maiden, you know, when he ran against nobody or whatever. But uh, yeah, he doesn't seem like he cares or just coincidentally throws it a clunker on an off track. Um if you think performer's a single all of all of more power to you I I don't think he's that much of a standout but then again yeah I don't have man crushes on the jockey and the trainer so
1: <laughs> yeah number one ranked <laughs> jockey number one ranked trainer and the horse oh, who no. I think is going to be the best horse in the country next year I am uh, listen if this horse loses unless there's some injury that comes up I I'd be shocked I mean this is about as as sure a bet as you can make uh, the only problem is, like I said, wow. you're not going to get a price. You're not going to get a – listen, if I can book seven to five right now, I would bet – I don't know, my mortgage, I bet whatever I could, at seven to five. Even if there's no scratches, the is going to be four to five and three to five. And if Forensic Fire does scratch, he'll be one to five, two to five. So that's my opinion. I If it's anything above even money, I don't really bet necessarily to win because even if I bet a lot of money, I'm not making that much. But, um, you know, I, I just – I don't see this horse losing. I just, this horse is so good. Okay. I could be wrong. Listen, I've been wrong before, but, and I don't usually like chalk. I'm usually trying to pick against it, but I I just, this is,
0: I I think this horse is so good. The, the, I know you you said you don't care for King Guillermo, but I, I just think it's interesting that they bring him back at, at this grade one. I mean, I guess there isn't anything else out there.
1: Well, you know, yeah. they were talking about bringing him back to the Derby, and he had some kind of hiccup. He got sick or a little nick or something, if you remember. I don't remember what it was. Um, um, okay. So they were talking about bringing him back then. And this is a really weak grade one field. I mean, none of these horses really other than Performer. And, my, and Performer's only won a grade three. Listen, this is a class test in a way, but to me, this is a grade three field. Mind Control won a grade one, but that was just a three-year-old, against three-year-olds, and he hasn't really moved forward. I don't think Snapper Sinclair has even come close to a grade one, unless maybe on the turf. I don't know. Forensic Fire – I don't think he's won a grade one. I think that was a big thing. He just never can get a grade one win. Again, he's probably not running anyway, and, and, even, and I hope he does, but he's not the same as he was under service, I don't think, although his numbers aren't that much worse or similar. Mr. Bubb is a New York-bred stakes horse, not a graded stakes horse. King, listen, King Guillermo could do well. If a performer doesn't show up, he could win. I, I don't know. I don't want him at 9-2. I don't want him at all. In my vertical mess, I'm leaving forensic Fire out. I'm leaving King Guillermo out. And I'm just hoping to get some price. I'm going to probably lean on Mr. Buff and True Timber in my, um, in my vertical bet. So performer mostly on top of True Timber and Mr. Buff. And I guess that's probably – I'm going to even throw him in Jessup Dunhill because I, I don't like Ballon Zone at all. Like I, He's a toss for me. Forense Fire is going to be a toss for me in the slot if he runs, I hope. Um, I don't like King Guillermo. He can win. I'm going to toss him because of the price, but he could win, I guess, if performer doesn't show up. And mind control, I don't know. I just, I mean, I've liked the horse. I just think he's going the wrong direction. So I'm leaving that horse out. So I'm putting Performer on top of the others. So I'll throw in a little Snapper and I don't love. Mr. Buff, Majestic Dono. I don't love it a little bit. And True Timber, who I probably like next best. Um, so that, that's going to be my, my wagering strategy vertically in this race. But if Forensic Fire scratches, I'm probably not even going to bet the race because, again, I don't really need one to five. Unless King Guillermo is a crazy short price and if uh anyone else takes money that i you know don't like basically uh you know maybe i can do that or if mr buff takes a lot of money i can leave him out maybe but that's pretty much what i'm doing in that race anything else because i feel like i cut you short there
0: no no it's uh it's all good so give out your pick six yeah so listen call it a day It's so hard
1: to give out a ticket or or say what you're going to do a couple days before. And I don't want to lie to people and tell them this is what I'm doing and not do it. Sometimes I I change a little bit because of circumstance. So I really have to play it by ear a little bit, but I'll give the ideas of what I'm thinking. Race five, if the four is a good price, I'm probably just going to single the four out first. If he's anywhere near, uh, she is anywhere near 10 to one. I'm just going to single that horse and go from there. I'm not investing a lot, spreading in this pick, four, pick six, so I'll just have it for more money. If I decide to go deep in that race, in race five, I'm going to go with the four, obviously. The two, the seven, eight, nine, 10, 12. Two, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12. That would be my deep play, that seven horses, if I go deep, or I'll single the four. I'm going to try and beat the three or four favorites in that race. And I know they can win. I said that. I'll just be out early if they win. That's fine. The race six... I'm going to throw in the five of this raining, which it will be sloppy track, stand the, for the flag, and I'm probably going to end up using the three over the one. The one's probably better. You're probably okay singling the one to survive, but I'm just going to go at the better price. I'll look at the double will pay, so most likely to be 3-5 that race. I mean, I could go one three five, and it's not going to cost that much, but again, I'd rather spend more money and, and cut down here. Uh, I'm not, listen, I just want to give out a winning ticket. I'd say one three, five, and you're going to get through that race, but I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to make money here. Uh, and hopefully help people you know in their decision making race seven that race i'm leaning on the six but again i'm i'm probably going to go a little deep there i I think that might be a spread race for a lot of people it's like one of two races that will be a spread race we talked about the other one i'm going to try and beat the 14 prairie fire i know the horse could win but again if the horse is six to five he's not that much better she's not that much better than the other horses so i'm leaning on the six i think the um the 15 has a good shot, so I'll, I hate to use a second choice, but I'll, I'm gonna go with the second choice to 15. And then if I do spread, either I'm gonna use 615 or I'm gonna spread. Uh, the spread would be, um, I think that was, I'm turning the pages, sorry. The 11, who's a long shot, I mentioned Malibu Moon. I'm gonna try and beat the 12, uh, so no 12, the 13 who was that? the pot source i'm getting mixed up or is that a different race who's a 13 oh no that's a ferrara horse 10 to 1 i don't know if i talked about much but 13 horse and i mentioned the two horse also at a price closing so to recap that one because it was a little confusing my main would be the six then the um 15 horse jump for joy and then if i decide to spread in the race which i think i will i'm going to go with the 11 the 13 and the 2. So I have like an order. I should have just said 2, 11, 13. So I'm probably going to go um, five deep there, knowing that others can beat me, but I, I don't want to use a big chalk there. Race 8, i um, going to mostly be on the 2 and the 12, but I'm also going to use the 1 and 9 a little bit. So 1, 2, 9, 12. A little chalky with the top two there who I'm pressing with. Race 9, I'm um, singling the one Malafat, but I might throw in the six cafe society as well as the second horse. And I'm only using uh, the one performer in the last race. And here's why I can't make my ticket. This is what it's going to depend on a few things. Number one is forensic fire running. If he's running, I'm, I'm betting if he's not running, I have to decide is it worth it. You know, singling a one to five shot that everyone's going to be singling probably. So I have to make a decision there. And that affects how I play the other races too. If forensic fire scratches, I am probably going to single the first leg, that four horse, out first at 10 to 1, because I don't want to go deep if I'm singling a 1 to 5 shot in the last leg, and I'm probably either singling or going too deep in, a, in another race with a, a 3 to 5 shot, that ninth race, at Malathat. So it really depends on forensic fire and other scratches as well, but that's where I'm leaning. Uh, my press ticket, the one I'm going to really spend the most money on, race 5, the four horse, in race uh, 6, the... Um, the three-five or the one-five, whoever's a better price out of the one or three, I said. In race seven, I'm gonna really key on the six and uh, in my press bet, and maybe the fifteen in race uh, in race eight, the two and twelve are gonna be my kind of press tickets. And um, race nine, the one and race ten, the one. What I mean by press is I'll have it for more money. So literally, I just gave out a ticket there that was like four. I should have written this out. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I'm, I'm taking long a long half. Four with let's say three five, but it might be one five. So four with three five, so that's one by two, uh, by two horses. So that's one times two times two is four by one horse by two horses by one horse. So basically, for 20 cents, that ticket's going to come out to like three bucks or two bucks or something like that. So I'll bet that ticket for maybe 10 or 20 dollars. So it'll cost me like 30, 40 bucks, but I'll have for like 10 or 20 dollars from right instead of betting 20 to win on the four in the first leg. I can bet $20 pick six singling that horse going very shallow and hope I'm right. So long, confusing way of saying what I'm doing. Hopefully that makes sense to people. And I did not confuse people. Uh, I'm not sure if I did, but at least you guys heard who I like, why I like them. And you can disagree totally. You might be like, nah, Nona Madeline's so much better than the other. Sharp Star is going to bounce. And that's fine if you think that. Um, and I don't disagree necessarily, but I'm looking for the better price there. So hopefully gave you something to think about. GQ, uh, do you want to wrap it up with any picks or selections or bets or anything like that? We should do our bet of the Week, too.
0: Nah, I, I, I'll just say um, I'm going to do a, a five-hour triple, straight triple in the ninth race. Put the chalk on top, do a straight triple. One, four, eight. That's uh, a six-to-one um, behind the chalk. Mal Curl. I, I think um, – of any horse that will probably move up uh, on and off track, I think uh, this one has the best shot at it. And I'll play the homer pick with a little cheese. Uh, the Celestial Cheetah with uh, 30 to one underneath in the third spot, picking up some black type for this gal. And our friends at designated hitters. All right, race. can you repeat the uh, the actual bet? I, I heard most of it, but I missed. Yes. It the race nine, five dollars. Race nine at Aqueduct, five okay. hours straight triple one four eight. All right, so you're
1: only spending five. My bet, I'm going to go with race four. It's the race I kind of, you know, I mean, I can bet forty to win on performer and inch my way back. But that's not how I bet. Uh, I could do forty dollars <laughs> actually performer over, maybe like a true team. I'm just worried with friends five scratching the value will be gone. So. I'm going to stick with race five, and sure, I can bet 40 to win on the four out first, and, and if he wins, I'm ahead in this uh, this duel, and I'm positive, and maybe I should just do that to bail out, if you will, but that's not how I play, so I mean, I, I do play like that, and I would, and I probably will bet him a significant amount of her, a significant amount, assuming the price is right, but instead, I'm going to go with an exacta, and I'm going to go a $20 exacta. I'm not even boxing it, I'm going to go a $20 exacta, on the four out first over the two Maria's gift and the seven uh banana fana Foe. So I've got race five at aqueduct, a twenty dollar exacta, four over the two seven. Now, for those of you who don't think I play that, um unless the odds are terrible on the four, unless he goes down like she goes down like three to one or something, I'm not gonna do it. But as long as she's close to ten to one, I'm 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 making that bet. I don't just say it. And I will probably box it also in my regular bets. I'll probably bet like five dollars, two seven over the four. And I'll probably do a small two seven box just in case the four doesn't run the two seven come in. But for all purposes, I'm limited to $40. So I'm just gonna do that on top. But if you're curious how I would bet, I, I would definitely box it low because they're prices. If they won prices, I wouldn't box. It It was like three to one, two to one, and four to one. No, but their prices, I don't want it to come in two seven or two four, and the exact depace, you know, three hundred dollars. I didn't box it at all. So i definitely have it both ways in my regular bets but I will press it here. And since I only get the $40, I'll just keep the four on top for our purposes. All right. So um, I know our little uh, rant at the beginning uh, took a long time. So hopefully people got to the end here for this long show. Next time we do something top 10 list or something, we'll have to uh, figure out a way to condense it. Maybe just do jockeys or trainers, not both in the same show, Uh, but that's something we can work on. Hopefully you enjoyed listening. Uh, Any final thoughts from the great GQ?
0: No, enjoy the weekend at Aqueduct and, uh, hey, live life and prosper. <laughs> Wise words. I'm like, Zo. Well, I'm, uh, I'm doing a podcast. Very
1: nice. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Got Gulfstream nice card as well, so I'll be betting there as well. I haven't looked yet. Good luck this weekend, and we hope to talk to you next week. Have a good one. Take care, all. Bye-bye.